Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode here on the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And guys, in today's episode, we are going to be recapping all of our NFL action from week 11 of the 2022 NFL season. And guys, did it kick off pretty interesting as we had a snowy showdown on Thursday night football between the Tennessee Titans and the Green Bay Packers. We had the Buffalo Bills taking on the Cleveland Browns from Detroit due to a huge snowstorm that was going through Buffalo. And then to finish all finish it all off on Monday night football, we had the Arizona Cardinals and San Francisco 49ers taking off between each other in Mexico City. So anyway, guys, before we start talking about all of our games from this uh, past weekend of NFL, please make sure that you like, comment, share, rate, do whatever you can to make sure we continue to spread the Cover 7 podcast, continue to grow it, just to, so just so that we can make sure that everybody is up to date with anything college football and NFL related. And guys, I want you to know that you truly are amazing, and I'm so grateful for all of you that continue to support and listen and do whatever you can. Whether it is here on the podcast or it's on social media, thank you guys so much for all you that you do. And, you know, like I always say here on the Cover 7 podcast, I do not want to waste y'all's time or mine included. So let's get right into today's episode. And to kick it all off, like I talked about at the beginning, on Thursday night football, we had the Tennessee Titans led by Derrick Henry, a.k.a. King Henry, taking on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. It was a snowy game, frigid cold, you know, frozen tundra, yada, yada, yada. Pretty much your typical wintertime Lambeau Field, you know, type of game. And, well, in this game, I personally thought Green Bay was going to win. You know, coming off a week in which they had a great upset win over the Dallas Cowboys, you know, Aaron Rodgers was able to throw the football all over the defense of the Cowboys, which has been known to be, and statistically, is one of the better defenses in all of the NFL. You know, they were able to pretty much uh, contain Micah Parsons, not allow him to be a part of the game plan. And, you know, well, in this game, you know, now they're going up against one of the better running teams in all of the NFL. And, well, Derrick Henry, not only did he run the ball pretty effectively in this game, he also was able to throw the football pretty effectively in this game as Derrick Henry would go two for two with four passing yards and one touchdown. So very reminiscent of, if I don't know if any of y'all remember, back in I think it was the 2019 playoffs, when um, Derrick Henry threw that, uh, when he threw that touchdown pass against the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs, pretty much the exact same play as that. It was a handoff to Derrick Henry up the middle. Derrick Henry throws the football over the O line and gets it right into the end zone. So, hey, Derrick Henry, he had a perfect QBR rating in this game. So maybe we see him potentially take more snaps at quarterback. Who knows? But anyway, also in the Derrick Henry rushing wise, not a bad game either. Not not as you know, monster game that we saw, you know, a few weeks back against the Texans or we saw against the Chiefs, but he would have 28 carries for 87 yards rushing and one touchdown. And I think another thing and another definitely a big aspect of the Tennessee Titans offense that won't get a talk talked definitely a lot about in this game was the fact that Ryan Tannehill played really solid football in this game, going 22 for 27, 333 yards passing with two touchdowns. He did throw one interception, but Outside of that one pick, he looked really good tonight against the Green Bay Packers. I mean, something we haven't been used to seeing is Ryan Tannehill actually throwing the football because, well, when you have a back like Derrick Henry, why do you need to throw the football? And, you know, also some wide receivers were able to step up. Traylon Burks, the first-round pick out of Arkansas, who they traded to get, you know, in the whole A.J. Brown trade to Philadelphia, that first-round pick they got back from Philly, ended up being Traylon Burks, who they wanted to be the replacement. And, well, Traylon Burks... 
in this Thursday night football showdown. Had his best game as a pro. Seven receptions for 111 yards receiving. And, you know, on the flip side for the Green Bay Packers, uh, was definitely not their night offensively. I mean, there was not a huge amount of mistakes, if you want to say that. Nothing, you know, nothing catastrophically bad. You know, didn't have any fumbles, didn't have any interceptions. Uh, Aaron Rodgers would go 24 for 39, 227 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. Um, but the biggest thing, and like I talked about with Tennessee, was the fact that their defense is really, and I mean really good and really underrated. You know, they don't have any big-name secondary guys, you know, like they had when they had Logan Ryan. You know, they had all those other big pieces. You know, they're really young. They got Christian Fulton. You know, they, I think they had, they didn't even have their first-round pick from a few years back. Caleb Farley's out for the rest of the year. So, you know, they're really, really weak right now in the secondary. But how good their, you know, front seven is, is just absolutely needs to be talked a lot about in this game because they were able to contain AJ, or Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to a total of 53 rushing yards combined between those two. Which, if you're able to do that, nine times out of ten, you're likely going to be able to win the football game. Because, like I said, if Aaron Jones gets going, you know, the Green Bay Packers will be able to have a good route to win. But in this game, they just could not get anything going. And, you know, passing-wise, wasn't, you know, wasn't a horrible game by any means. Randall Cobb, in his first game back from injury, he would have six receptions for 73 yards receiving. And it would actually lead the team in receiving yards. And then Christian Watson, you know, who had his real emergence and breakout game last week against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he had four receptions for 48 yards receiving and also had two touchdowns as well. Had one really amazing touchdown catch. So, you know, another pretty solid game by the rookie. But, man, just the Green Bay Packers could not get anything going offensively, whether it was due to O-line struggles, whether it was due to just missed throws, missed passes, whatever. They just were not able to get anything going in this game. As the Tennessee Titans defense, they looked solid once again, and they were pretty much able to contain Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers offense to only 17 points on the night as Tennessee they would get the upset win you know despite having a better overall record at six and three compared to the Green Bay Packers uh four and six record Tennessee they were able to get the upset win up in Lambeau Field by a score of 27 to 17 so great win from Mike Vrabel and the Titans and I mean seriously they may not have all of the flashy names that you see with guys like the Eagles or the Cowboys but man is this Tennessee Titans team really good and I'm definitely going to quit betting against them. You know, I honestly thought the momentum that the Packers had coming in from the Cowboys game, it's going to be on a short week, only a four-day difference. I mean, hey, it would carry over. And, well, just I think the magic was instead with the Tennessee Titans. So, but anyway, Tennessee, they get a huge upset win on Thursday Night Football as we now wrap up all of our games from Thursday. So, Anyway, guys, you know, already had a great way to start off the week. So now let's get over to all of our games that we had on Sunday. And to kick it all off in our noon slate of games, the first game that I am going to talk about is going to be the Los Angeles Rams traveling down to the Bayou to take on the New Orleans Saints. Now for the Rams, the biggest, or not for the, yeah, not for the Rams, my bad. I completely lost my train of thought. You know, if the Rams are getting their uh, starting quarterback back and Matthew Stafford, he was dealing with a concussion issue the week before. And unfortunately, Lightning did strike twice again because in this game, Matthew Stafford, who got off to a pretty hot start, he connected with Tutu Atwell, who was supposed to be a really breakout star for the Rams after they drafted him out of Louisville. I mean, is an absolute speedster. He showcased that speed in a long reception that he got from Matthew Stafford. That would go for a touchdown. But after that, Matthew Stafford would leave the game with a concussion. 
or he's being evaluated in concussion protocol. Hopefully, he does not have yet another concussion because that will likely keep him out for a decent amount of time. You know, not just only about football, but still something pretty scary. And, you know, not a lot to talk about in this game because the Saints, they also did not play extremely well. Now, Andy Dalton, I will give him a ton of credit. He did step up compared to his past few performances that have been very bad. As on the day, Andy Dalton would go 21 for 25, 260 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. And despite being sacked three times in this game, he did look pretty good. So a ton of credit there to Andy Dalton. And then Taysom Hill, the, the literal definition of a Swiss Army knife type of player. He can play quarterback. He can play running back. He can line him up in the slot. You can line him up at tight end. Literally wherever you need him, that's where Taysom, Taysom Hill will be. And he actually led the Saints in rushing with nine rushes for 52 yards rushing. And for receiving-wise, the, the New Orleans Saints, their first-round pick once again striked out of Ohio State. Chris Olave has yet another 100-plus-yard receiving game, five receptions for 102 yards receiving and one touchdown. I mean, this kid is going to be something special here in the NFL. You know, him, Garrett Wilson, hopefully Jameis, uh, Jameson Williams, whatever, he comes back from injury with the Lions. I mean, this wide this wide, this past wide receiver class has been something really special. And, um... You know, to kind of go back to the Rams and how their game went, they were able to run the football a little bit better than the past two weeks, which they've been, I think, under 50-plus rushing yards in both of those games. But in this game against the Saints, they were finally able to get something kind of going. Nothing crazy as Cam Akers, who has been absolutely detrimental these past few weeks, he would have 14 carries for 61 yards rushing and zero touchdowns. But as a whole team, the Rams would have 150 rushing yards. So, I mean, you could say that was a positive, but outside of being able to kind of run the football, just the receiving game was just pretty much non-existent. But the defense, they played pretty well. I mean, considering their current situation, they weren't ever, they weren't able really to ever get off the field because the offense would constantly have a bunch of three and outs. And the score, despite it saying 27 to 20, it really was not that close of a game. As the Saints, they get a big time win down in the Bayou, 27 to 20 over the Los Angeles Rams. As the Saints, they now improved to four and seven on the year. And the Rams, who won a Super Bowl back in February for the most part, have a lot of the same pieces. I know they didn't have Cooper Cup in this game. He's going to be out for the next, I think I think they said eight weeks, which, I mean, you could pretty much say their season's over with. And we'll, with this loss against the Saints, you might as well be able to st stamp that as the Rams. They now drop to 3-7 and seven on the year. And they're just going to be looking forward to 2023 at this point because, man, your starting quarterback's banged up. He's dealing with another concussion issue. Your running back room is a huge question mark because you can't find your lead guy. Your O-line is horrible. Cooper Cup has really become your only weapon on offense. I mean, it's just it's not a good situation right now for the Los Angeles Rams. Is once again they're going to be head scratching going back to LA, looking at their record at three and seven, being like, you know, where did we go wrong? So, but anyway, the Saints they get a big time win, at least in my opinion, it gives them definitely some more momentum. Andy Dalton played pretty solid, and I mean, hey, good win for the Saints. So. Anyways, y'all, the next game we're going to talk about, we're going to go down to Houston as we had the Washington Commanders led by Taylor Heineke, who, man, I just the energy he brings to this team is something that you cannot pay for because, I, I mean, just he has been an absolute beast for them these past few weeks, obviously upsetting the undefeated Eagles at the time uh, in Philly, which that's if – you, if you're able to go into Philly, especially in a primetime game and beat the Eagles, that always is really impressive. But to do it while the, – if the Eagles are 8-0 and and undefeated – that's also a different level of impressive. So, anyway, the Commanders, they would go down to Houston. As we all know, Houston, they're a rebuilding team. They're not going to shock you with a lot of talent and everything like that. And, man, I think Washington's defense needs to be talked about a little bit more as one of the top defenses in all of the NFL because Washington in this game, 
They only allowed Houston, who has one of the best rookie running backs in the league, probably the best rookie running back in the league, in Damian Pierce. They held him to eight rushing yards on the day, and they held the Texans to a total of 21 rushing yards on the day. I mean, it was just an absolute defensive show for the Washington Commanders, as they would also put up five sacks on the day as well. So really good for them. Uh, Kendall Fuller, he would get in a, a pick six really early on in the game, and that kind of set the momentum for the rest of this game. Uh, Ant Antonio Gibson had himself a pretty good game, 18 carries for 72 yards rushing. You know, the commanders were able to run the ball pretty well. Taylor Heineke, not his best passing performance, 15 for 27, 191 yards passing. Didn't get a touchdown, but also did not get an interception, so that's really good as well. But, I mean, man, the defense for the commanders, they showed out in this game, and that's really I mean, honestly, I don't think the offense really had to do much because the way that defense was playing, they could have sat back on the lawn chair and just watched how their defense was absolutely crushing this Houston Texans team as the Washington Commanders would get a 23-10 win over the Houston Texans down in Houston as the Commanders. They now improve to 6-5 and five on the year, and the Texans, they now fall to 1-8-1. and one. And at this point, they're probably just going to be trying to better up their draft pick in this next year's draft to add on top as well to a Cleveland Browns team, which gave them picks back as well for the Deshaun Watson trade. And the way it's looking right now, I mean, the Texans are going to be stacked in draft, draft cal uh, capital these next few years, so... Anyways, y'all, the next game that I do want to talk about, we're going to, let me let me scroll down real quick. The next game that we're going to talk about is going to be what was kind of one of my more shocking games of the weekend. And we had a few of these, actually, especially here on Sunday, because we'll talk about what happened over in New York. But the first one I want to talk about is we're going to go over to Indianapolis as we had the Philadelphia Eagles coming off their first loss of the year against the Washington Commanders, taking on Jeff Saturday and the Indianapolis Colts on a Sunday. So not Jeff's day, but... You know, just one day behind. I know that was really cheesy. I promise I will not make that joke again. But um, anyway, in this game, the Indianapolis Colts, they show a lot of heart, a lot of passion, especially under Jeff Saturday. I mean, this team looks completely different from when it was under Frank Wright. Just the chemistry that's come, back, come about. I mean, uh, Jonathan Taylor, who really rough start to the year, whether he was dealing with injuries or the games he was in, just did not look like himself. You know, after having a really good game last week, he had a yet another really solid game today against the Eagles defense. 22 carries for 84 yards rushing and one touchdown. And then Matt Ryan uh, didn't really have a lot of turnovers. Now, I know his offensive line has still been a big question mark because they just can, for some reason, not seem to be able to get him enough time to be able to throw the football. As on the day, Matt Ryan would go 23 for 32, 213 yards passing with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. But the Colts defense, I mean, I know they would not win this game, but they deserve a ton of credit as they were able to get J as they were able to get to Jalen Hurts three times, get three sacks on the day. Um, for the most part, they were able they were able to pretty much limit any type of rushing yards from Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, all of those running backs for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's just the fact that the Eagles have a mobile quarterback in Jalen Hurts who is so impossible to stop because he has such a good arm, and then he also is really electric when it comes to running. I mean, he's got the arm of guys up there like Patrick Mahomes. You've got guys like, with arm strength. I'm not saying the exact same arm. I'm just saying he's able to throw the football the same distance and everything like that, like those guys. But, I mean, he also would kill it in his legs and actually would deliver the game-winning touchdown on the ground as Jalen Hurts would have 16 carries for 86 yards rushing and one touchdown on the day, with that one touchdown being the game-winning TD as the Philadelphia Eagles, they 
barely survive against the Indianapolis Colts on the road, 17-16 to as Eagles. They now improved to 9-1. They bounced back from their first loss last week against the Washington Commanders on Monday Night Football. And then for the Indianapolis Colts, there's a ton of positives to take away from this game. The defense, which has really been a weak spot for them so far this year, they showed up in this game. They only they only let the Philadelphia Eagles score 17 points on them, which if you're able to if you're not if you allow the Eagles to score under 20 points, that normally is going to be a really good game for you. The offense, there's still a few things you need to figure out, but overall, not a bad game for the Colts. And a ton of credit needs to be given to Jeff Saturday because he may not have the most elite football IQ or brain. I mean, he was a center, so obviously he's got football IQ, but I just, I mean, the way he's changed the energy in the locker room and what he's been able to do for the Indianapolis Colts, not even just on the field, but off the field, you can tell it's kind of reaping some results because this Indianapolis Colts team, they're playing in a really weak division. You know, obviously they got the Titans who will probably end up winning it, but say, for example, the Titans go on a losing spree and the Colts start to fill themselves. Things could get interesting in the AFC South. I mean, the Texans and Jags, they're out of it. But, hey, this team under Jeff Saturday is looking pretty good. And, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see Indianapolis maybe kind of make a late run here in the second half of the season. But, anyway, the Philadelphia Eagles, they're able to – they managed to survive against the Colts 17-16. to Now, guys, for our next game, we're going to – we're not going to go too, too far. We're just going to go down south a little bit as we're going to go over to Atlanta, Georgia, as we had Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears taking on Marcus Mariota and the Atlanta Falcons. And, man – Justin Fields just continues to show so much promise for this team. I mean, he I, – I don't, I don't mean to keep overreacting because it seems like week in, week out, we're always saying, oh, my gosh, you know, Justin Fields is such a great quarterback, right? Which he is in his own right because he's putting up running back stats as a quarterback, and he's still putting up decent throwing numbers. Now, obviously, the rushing yards have been kind of his big thing, and he had yet another pretty good rushing performance, 18 carries for 85 yards rushing and one touchdown, not too shabby whatsoever. David Montgomery also did pretty good, 17 carries for 67 yards rushing and one TD. Uh, Justin Fields also passing the ball. Started pretty good despite, obviously, the offensive line still having a ton of struggles. He'd go 14 for 21, 153 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception on the day. But the, the Bears just continue to struggle to finish out games. We saw it last week against the Detroit Lions as they had a huge lead going into the fourth quarter, and the Lions came back and got all that points back in the fourth quarter and left uh, Chicago with the win. And we saw it once again here in Atlanta as, oh, man, I just, oh, man. I mean, I know, it was, I know it's not the same circumstances, but they're kind of similar to the Raiders in the fact that, you know, they're able to get off to a somewhat lead. Now, it was tied at halftime, 17-17, to 17, but... I mean, they just—I don't—I don't really know. Uh, the defense, as we all know, is still very atrocious. They're not going to be able to do too, too much because, well, once again, they traded away a lot of their main focal points in Roquan Smith and also traded away uh, uh, Robert Quinn. So, they're rebuilding. I mean, obviously, they're looking towards the future and having a guy like Justin Fields who continues to impress week in week out is definitely a positive. You know, even though they got the loss, they're going to probably want to just get in better draft stock, get a better draft position. But um, for the Atlanta Falcons. Not a bad game whatsoever. Cordell Patterson, he actually had a kick return for a touchdown in this game. So, a, I mean, one of the best return men in all of the NFL. Striked once again. Marcus Mariota, nothing special in this game. 13, 13 for 20, 131 yards passing with one touchdown. But the biggest thing for him was he did not make as many mistakes as he made against the Panthers back on Thursday Night Football last week. So, that was good that he did not have any uh, turnovers and no interceptions. So, Good for him in that aspect. And, I mean, the, the the Falcons, they fumbled the ball twice in this game. 
I mean, they fumbled the ball twice in this game. And, you know, the Bears, they had all the opportunities in the world to win this game, but they just once again could not close it out as the Falcons. They would get a home win against the Chicago Bears. 27-24 to as the Falcons. They now improve to 5-6 and six on the year. And the Chicago Bears, they now fall to 3-8 and eight on the year. Despite Justin Fields probably playing some of his best pro ball, you know, right now for them. But once again, the future is still very bright for the Chicago Bears. In terms of offensively, they got to go out and go get some offensive line help. I mean, that's just the major thing because Justin Fields pretty much in every game has been running for his life. So... We've got to adjust that. <laughs> but um, anyway, so the next game I wanted to talk about, and this was, the one of my, in my opinion, one of the more shocking games of the weekend, definitely the biggest upset of the weekend, as we had Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions going over to MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Giants. Now, I pretty much almost guaranteed that the Giants would win this game. Um, nothing against the Lions, but they have a horrible defense for the most part, right? And they're really bad against the run, which New York, they have a really good run game with guys like Saquon Barkley. Heck, even Daniel Jones has been able to run the football a little bit more this year. And, well, the Lions made me bite my words. They absolutely absolutely made me bite my words. As for rushing-wise, New York had less than 100 total rushing yards on the day. Daniel Jones would actually lead them. The quarterback with seven carries for 50 yards rushing and one touchdown. Saquon Barkley who's having a absolute you know, revital, revitalization of his career right now in this year, a prove-it year, as he has 15 – I mean, he only had 15 carries for 22 rushing yards on the day. That's a little bit over a yard per carry. I mean, that defense was able to absolutely stop that New York rush, rushing attack. And then also, too, they were able to get things done also in the passing game. Now, I know Daniel Jones put up a ton of passing yards, 341, also had a passing touchdown as well. But – the biggest thing was the Lions. They were able to get the turnovers that they needed. Daniel Jones with their two picks. One of those being to the Detroit Lions, second overall pick, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, the D-end, who dropped back in coverage kind of as a spy almost. It was able to snag it right out of the air. I mean, he already has two interceptions in his career, you know, the one against Aaron Rodgers in the red zone when they played the Packers at home, and now he has yet his second career interception. So I think, man, he definitely was the right pick for the uh, Detroit Lions. And then, you know, for the New York Giants, they did have an unfortunate injury in this game with Wandale Robinson, who out of Kentucky, pretty much the same type of play style as Kadarius Toney, which is why they went ahead and pulled the trigger on trading Kadarius Toney. Um, he would have nine receptions on the day for 100 yards receiving, but would, I think, leave this game with a knee injury, if I remember correctly. So just really unfortunate because he's going to definitely be one of the, I think, really would be a really good slot guy for the New York Giants going forward, especially if they do release Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton. But, um, but, no, definitely the biggest thing in this game was the Detroit Lions defense. I mean, they they showed out. They did not allow Newark to get any sort of points whatsoever. Now, I know Newark, they shot themselves in the foot a ton in this game. Obviously, Daniel Jones with the two interceptions. But you got to get a lot of credit to Detroit's defense because Jared Goff didn't even play, you know, any type of amazing football, right? 17 for 26, 165 yards passing with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. But running the football was really where the Lions made their, you know, made their money because Jamal Williams, the former Green Bay Packer, he would have 17 carries on the day for 64 yards rushing and three touchdowns as well. And I think a factor that's not going to get talked about enough and why Detroit has been playing this way, they're currently on a three-game win streak now, is Dan Campbell. I mean, he may not be the most amazing coach out there talent-wise, but he absolutely has the guts and the character to make a team want to fall in love with him and actually want to really play for him. And especially in games like this where a lot of people had him counted out, myself included, they were able to, you know, get, you know, just continue to fight through adversity. And, 
I mean, he plays a big role in why they won this game. As the Detroit Lions, they pull off the upset at MetLife Stadium, 31 to 18 over the New York Giants. As the Lions, on a, who are on a current three-game win streak, they now improve to four and six. And the Giants, they now fall to seven and three with only their third loss of the year. The two others being to the Cowboys and then to the uh, Seahawks, which. I mean, honestly, those two teams are not really that bad. And, I mean, hey, I think the Lions, they're a really good team. They don't have the talent like every other NFL team, obviously. You know, they don't have – they're not stacked from bottom, you know, bottom to top and just pure depth and talent. But they do have a lot of heart, and that's the biggest thing with the Detroit team is you know that they will give 100% effort every single game. So great win for Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions as I'm super excited for them. And, I mean, hey, like I said, you know, I think it was a few recaps ago, the Lions might actually finish this year above the Green Bay Packers in the NFC North. So that would probably be really funny if that actually does happen. So anyways, y'all, the next game that I want to talk about, we're going to go over to Baltimore as we had the Carolina Panthers taking on the Baltimore Ravens. And, well, um, if anybody had the Ravens uh, beating them by 10 points, you were correct, but it would just be a low-scoring affair as the Ravens would only put up 13 points and the Panthers would only have a field goal on the day. Now, Baker Mayfield, he would return back as a starting quarterback, and that may not last that long after this game because Baker Mayfield on the day would go 21 for 33, 196 yards passing with zero touchdowns and two interceptions. You'd also be sacked four times, so you can counter that in as well. But, man, it's just sad to see the downfall of Baker Mayfield. Uh, you got to give Baltimore's defense a ton of credit because Deontay Foreman, who the past few weeks has been running the football like crazy, been able to put up, I think, three or four consecutive 100-plus rushing yard games. He was limited to 24 rushing yards in this game against the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, also the Panthers' defense, they still deserve a ton of credit as well because they did not allow Lamar Jackson to get one passing touchdown in this game. He did get a rushing touchdown, but... Outside of that, this was really a defensive game more than anything because there just was a, there's, there just was not a lot of offense. Uh, Lamar Jackson passing-wise would go 24 for 33, 209 yards passing with zero touchdowns and then one interception. He also would be sacked three times as well, so there's still kind of some offensive line issues that need to be sorted out. But overall, just both defenses played really, really well. Uh, Demarcus Robinson, who you know really showed out with the Chiefs during his time you know as a member of them, uh, played, you know, got signed to the Raiders early on in the offseason, got cut, and now he's with the Baltimore Ravens. He had a really good game, nine receptions for 128 yards receiving. I mean, he really would be the focal point of this offense in the in this game, obviously outside of Lamar Jackson. but And they also got Mark Andrews too, which I felt was a huge factor, uh, six receptions for 63 yards receiving as well. As the Baltimore Ravens, they would get a 13-3 win over the Carolina Panthers at home. As the Ravens, they improved to 7-3 and on the year. And the Panthers, they now fall to 3-8 and eight, and likely are just going to continue to tank so that they can get a better draft pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Now, guys, I think we only have one or two more afternoon games real quick. Let me check. Yep, we do. So the next game that I do want to talk about, we're going to go over to Detroit. Now, you're probably wondering, why are we going to Detroit? Detroit was up in, you know, they were up at MetLife. Well, Buffalo... They originally had a home game against the Browns. It got completely snowed out. Like, I mean, you probably could not be able to walk in any of that. So they had to move the game over to Ford Field, which is the Detroit Lions home stadium. So we had Buffalo taking on the Cleveland Browns. It's technically a home game for them. And, I mean, Buffalo, uh, the Bills Mafia, they bought like 50,000-something tickets in a 24-hour period. Like, I mean, they absolutely went berserk. But um, anyway, in this game between the Bills and the Browns, uh, it was not a great game for Josh Allen whatsoever. 18 for 27, 197 yards passing with one touchdown. Didn't have any interceptions, so, I mean, there's always that. 
but the offense didn't really click a lot until the second half where they would put up 18 points. They struggled a little bit to get things going because the Browns at one point would lead 7-3 to after the first quarter. Uh, but obviously this is the Cleveland Browns we're talking about. They're waiting for Deshaun Watson to get back. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, not all that bad. 28 for 41, 324 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. Uh, the run game was non-existent, so give Buffalo a lot of credit for that. Nick Chubb was held to only 19 rushing yards on the day against the Bills, which if you're able to do that, you probably will end up winning the game. But the former Dallas Cowboy and former uh, Las Vegas Raider, Amari Cooper, he had a really good game against his Buffalo secondary that did not have Tredavious White, who's out with an ankle injury now, as he would have eight receptions for 113 yards receiving and two touchdowns on the day. But the Buffalo Bills, they would somehow manage to be able to escape Detroit with the win as they would be back in Detroit on Thanksgiving as they take on Detroit Lions in the annual Thanksgiving game. As the Buffalo Bills, they get a 31-23 win over the Cleveland Browns as they now improve to 7-3. And, and the Browns, they now fall to 3-7 and seven and now are only two weeks away from Deshaun Watson making his Browns debut in Houston against his former team that he was literally traded from. So that should be a pretty interesting storyline. I'm kind of excited to see how the fans are going to react having him back. I can imagine that game is probably going to sell a ton of tickets because I can only imagine some of the things that will probably be said in that game. So anyways, y'all, we only have one final game to talk about in our uh, early slate of games, and that is going to be back over in the AFC in an AFC East game as we had the New York Jets taking on the New England Patriots. Now, New England Patriots... They pretty much are the owners of the New York Jets. Now, offensively, there was no offense. This is, If you wanted to call a game the punt ball, this game was a definition of the punt ball because I think each team punted the ball at least six or seven times in this game. I mean, there legitimately was no offense whatsoever. Outside of one touchdown that would be scored in the fourth quarter by the New England Patriots, and it wouldn't even be an offensive touchdown. Like, it, <laughs> like, it, it literally was a punt return by the New England Patriots third-round pick out of Houston, Marcus Jones, who I liked a lot when I watched him down in Houston. But anyway, Marcus Jones, he would actually get an 84-yard punt return touchdown that would seal the game for the New England Patriots as a Patriots. They would go on to win in what was a punt showdown. And I'm looking at the stats now. New York punted the ball 10 times in this game. And the Patriots punted 7 times in this game as well. So a total of 17 punts were in this game. Oh, my Lord. Anyway, but the Patriots, they would get a win in this very low-scoring affair, 10-3 over the New York Jets. As the Patriots, they now jump to second in the AFC East standings over the New York Jets. And, well, for the Jets, I mean, hey, your defense played really well. It's just the offense is really struggling to get things going. The run game was non-existent. They only had a total of, and I literally just saw it here a second ago, 59 rushing yards on the day. Not something you want. James Robinson, who they traded from um, in Jacksonville, only had 10 rushing yards. Michael Carter only had 19. Zach Wilson had 26. And, you know, to make matters even worse, Zach Wilson was absolutely horrible throwing the football. 9 for 22, 77 yards passing with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. He was sacked, you know, four times in this game. Mac Jones, the starting quarterback for the Patriots, he was sacked six times in this game. But both quarterbacks just really could not get anything going. And, well, it would have to come to special teams to finally put the dagger in this game, and it came in the form of Matt, uh, Marcus Jones. So, anyway, New England, they get a big-time win against the Jets as they now move up to second, which obviously they're one game behind the Buffalo Bills for first place in the AFC East. So, guys, that would be it for all of our action from the early slate of games. So now let's get over to uh, the uh, late, the late e not late evening, let's get over to the late slate of games. And the first game that we're going to talk about from that slate is going to be, let me check which one I want to talk about first. You know what? 
we'll talk. I, I originally wanted to do the Vikings and Cowboys game first, but instead we're going to do an AFC West showdown game that we had that was pretty interesting as we had the Las Vegas Raiders going over to Denver to take on Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Now, this game was big for a multitude of reasons, right? You got both teams, which are very much underwhelming compared to where their preseason hype was. Obviously, both teams had a huge free agency addition. Or not free agency. Well, it was a free agency addition uh, where the Raiders, they traded and got Devontae Adams, arguably the best wide receiver in all of the, the NFL. And then for the Broncos, they went out and traded for their franchise quarterback and Russell Wilson from the Seahawks. So both teams were expected to be playoff contenders, and that's just not been the case this year. You know, Raiders, they were sitting at 3-7 and seven going into this game. Broncos, same exact place. So, you know, whoever won this game really may be able to start, you know, get, getting – getting a lot of momentum to go into the right direction. And Well, in this game, the Denver Broncos and their scoring woes just continue to happen as the Broncos would only put up 16 points in this game, which I know is kind of an improvement, but at the same time, it feels like it's been a century since we saw the Broncos put up over 20 points, which I know is against the Jaguars, but still then, I mean, very inconsistent in terms of scoring the football. And, you know, to make matters even worse, the offensive line play, which has been horrible throughout the season, was still not really good in this game as Russell Wilson would get sacked three times. I know nothing crazy, but still, you've got to be able to give him time to throw the football. Russell Wilson only had seven incompletions on the day, so, I mean, that's not bad. Didn't throw an interception as well as you'd go 24 for 31, 247 yards passing with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. The run game can, continues to still be a problem, a little bit better in this game. You know, 94 total rushing yards and a touchdown, but still, it's – after losing Javante Williams, the run game of the Broncos has pretty much been non-existent. Uh, Levante, uh, Le, yeah, I think it's Levante Murray. He had 17 carries on the day for 49 yards rushing, and then the one touchdown that they had rushing, and that was really it in terms of rushing. Cortland Sutton kind of he, he was able to get back to a little bit of his Cortland Sutton type of play style. Five receptions for 80 yards receiving, and that would really be it for the Denver Broncos when it came to offense offensive production. I mean, they just. Really, we're not able to get anything going. Not having Jerry Judy in this game. Obviously, you don't have Javante Williams for the rest of the year. It really, and I mean really limited, limited what Russell Wilson was going to be able to do because preseason he thought he was going to have a full healthy squad, right? Javante Williams in the backfield alongside Melvin Gordon, you know, didn't have all those fumbling issues at the time. Uh, and then just to make matters worse, now your whole wide receiver core is pretty much banged up outside of Cortland Sutton. You don't have Noah Fant, which he's now in Seattle and is doing pretty good with Geno Smith. So just a lot of things right now in Denver that if you're a Broncos fan, you're kind of head-scratching, you know, pretty much going, you know, what did we do wrong? And then for the Raiders, big-time win. I mean, a big win that they needed because it seemed like they could never close out the, you know, really close games, one-possession games, and they finally did it. You know, going into overtime, tied at 16 they got exactly that as Derek Carr had a really good bounce back game, 23 for 37, 307 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. I don't really think, at least personally, I don't really think Derek Carr is the problem with the Raiders. I think obviously a lot of it's got to do with coaching staff, O-line play. Like, you know, he's obviously he's not an elite quarterback. He's definitely a middle-of-the-pack type of quarterback, but I still think he is reliable when you need him the most. And, well, he absolutely trusted his weapons around him because Josh Jacobs, who started off the season pretty good, you know, had that really big game against the Houston Texans a few weeks back, and, well, Josh Jacobs finally got himself another 100-plus yard rushing game, 24 carries for 109 yards rushing. Um, and then also, I think the MVP of the game has to go to uh, – definitely has to go to Devontae Adams. I mean, he literally was pretty much the electricity that this uh, Las Vegas Raiders team needed on offense. 
as Devontae Adams would have seven receptions for 141 yards receiving and two incredibly long touchdown passes that he would get from Derek Carr, including one of those being the game-winning touchdown pass. So huge game for Devontae Adams and this Las Vegas Raiders team. And also, got to mention their defense. They had three sacks on the day, like I talked about, six tackles for loss. I mean, Max Crosby continues to absolutely dominate as he had two of those three sacks. And, I mean, and he also had a forced fumble as well on the day, I'm pretty sure, too. I think I remember seeing a little highlight about that. So, this Raiders defense, you know, they've got the talent. They've needed to step up. And, well, they stepped up in this game as the Raiders were able to beat their in-division rivals in the AFC West. 22-16 to as the Raiders. They now improved to 4-7 and on the year. And the Broncos... They now fall to three and eight. And well, Nathaniel Hackett, I know he's, you know, in his first year as head coach, obviously that'll probably give him a little bit of leeway, but this team just doesn't click under him. I mean, you can't tell me watching these games that this, you know, Broncos team literally has no type of energy whatsoever. You know, they just don't look like a competent team. So, anyways, y'all, the next game that I do want to talk about in our uh, late slate of games. This had to have been the biggest blowout and probably one of the bigger surprises. I mean, obviously the Lions over the Giants was pretty big, but I think the scoring in this game is really what kind of threw me away. And that was the Dallas Cowboys going up to the going up to Minnesota to take on Justin Jefferson and the Minnesota Vikings. Um, yeah, I just did not see how this this game would ever reach a final score of forty to three in favor of the Cowboys because. I mean, all around, you you know, we can talk about Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard on the offense, or we can talk about on defense with Micah Parsons, Dorrance Armstrong, Demarcus Lawrence, and, you know, the defensive line, and also the secondary with Trayvon Diggs, Noah Brown, uh, J- Jerron Curse. I mean, they all played so exceptionally well. Heck, even including special teams, Brett Maher made a 60-yard field goal in this game, a 50-yard field goal in this game. I mean, they were clicking on all cylinders as Dak Prescott would only have three incompletions in this game. Three as he'd go 22 for 25, 276 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. I mean, he was pretty much lights out. I mean, he was connecting with uh, C.D. Lamb pretty darn well. C.D. didn't have a huge game by any means, five receptions for 45 yards receiving, but he had a great sideline catch, a toe drag catch on the sideline, and, I mean, they just were absolutely connecting on all cylinders. But Tony Pollard, who I think as of right now definitely needs to be the 1A because if they're going to start both Ezekiel Elliott, which – there's a lot of, and I mean, there's a lot of opportunities where you're going to need a guy like Ezekiel Elliott that has a bigger frame, is a more physical runner, you know, doesn't have as much elu- as elusive, uh, elusiveness as you have with Tony Pollard. It's still a great running back. I, I mean, obviously, the $90 million price tag is still kind of a big, you know, warning sign, you know, get away from, but he's still a good running back. And, you know, it showed in this game because Zeke, you know, he only had 42 rushing yards, but he had two red zone touchdowns that he would get in and... I mean, this team was connecting on all cylinders. Tony Pollard with 80 rushing yards on the day. You know, he had a total of about 190 total scrimmage yards because he had 109 receiving yards and two touchdowns on the day. I mean, Tony Pollard went off against this Minnesota defense, which I personally thought might be able to contain them a little bit. I mean, Zadarius Smith was actually active in this game after dealing with an injury. You know, Andrew Booth, the rookie out of Clemson he's been playing pretty good Patrick Peterson Harrison Smith you know list goes on and on and on about you know all the great defensive guys that they have on defense for the Minnesota Vikings and then offense I mean I didn't expect them to only have a field goal in this game I at least expected a touchdown maybe at very least but the fact that the the Dallas Cowboys pass rush was so absurd in this game. I mean Kirk Cousins legitimately could not do anything. I mean he had no time to throw the football. 7 total sacks on the day. 
seven. Two of those came from Michael Parsons. Now let me look at how uh, uh, Demarcus Lawrence had one of his own. I mean, they just were balling out. Dorrance Armstrong had two, which I think he's one of the more underrated young pass rushers in all of the league. So make sure you do remember the name Dorrance, Dorrance Armstrong as well. I mean, there's just not a lot of positives if you are a Minnesota Vikings fan because the offense was absolutely horrendous. Uh, TJ Hawkinson had a couple early drops in this game, which you could say maybe it was a little bit out of his reach. But even then, you know, it's always kind of been like a known saying, you know, if you're able to touch the football, you need to catch it. And, well, I mean, he led the team in receiving yards with 34 receiving yards, Justin Jefferson trailing him with 33. But it was just a rough game if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan because, you know, this team normally is going to be able, be able to pass the football for about 250, 300 total passing yards in this game or, like, in any game in general. They only had 159 in this game. And then rushing-wise, they were completely shut down. As Dalvin Cook, he had 72 rushing yards on the day, which is not bad, but they only had a total of 73 rushing yards. So that means, you know, they – weren't able to get anybody else going as well and that's definitely something you're not gonna want and you know Kirk Cousins I mean when you look at the stat line you're like oh my lord as he'd go as he'd go 12 for 23 105 yards passing with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions so I mean hey he didn't throw an interception so my Minnesota fans you can't complain too much about that but also Minnesota they dealt with uh, Christian Darisaw their starting left tackle his the second year out of uh, Virginia Tech he left this game with a concussion, which is really sad to hear because about a week ago he suffered a concussion, so not a good situation, which he'll probably have to stay out for a extended more amount of time now because of that. So the offensive line is starting to become an issue for the Minnesota Vikings, and it showed against the pass rush of the Cowboys that were able to get to Kirk Cousins seven times in this game as the Dallas Cowboys, which were led just all around by a great team effort. I mean, all, all, three, all three, you know, sides of the football played amazing offense defense special teams they were just absolutely I mean they I mean I really can't even put it into words because I did not expect this game to go like this I mean I even picked Minnesota because I thought the offense would be able to get going you know and be able to you know score points and they just didn't do that Dallas was the better team in this game as they'd go on to blow out the Minnesota Vikings up in the Twin Cities 42-3 as the Cowboys. They now improve to 7-3 and on the year. And the Minnesota Vikings, they now fall to 8-2. and So, great win. I mean, absolutely great win for the Dallas Cowboys. It still keeps them neck and neck in, uh, you know, in the race for the division. You know, the Eagles are at 9-1 after getting that really close win against the Indianapolis Colts earlier in the day. So, it's going to be interesting to see how the whole NFC – NFC East goes because I mean the Giants even though they lost to the Lions they're still a really good team they played a currently right now a really hot Detroit Lions team so I mean it's just football I mean a lot it's, it's very it's a much of a streaky sport as much as it is like with baseball and everything like that you know when teams are good and teams are hot team you know teams are definitely hot and right now I think a lot of the NFC East is exactly that so anyway guys for our final game that we had in our late slate of games we're going to be going up to Pittsburgh as we had the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, well, in this game, offense did not whatsoever come at a premium because both teams were able to get up over 30 points in this game. Joe Burrow had himself a really good game. Outside of two picks that he had, was pretty good. 24 for 39, 355 yards passing with four touchdowns on the day. And then also those two picks we just talked about. One of those actually being to T.J. Watt. So T.J. Watt, in his second game back off of IR, was able to pick off Joe Burrow. So, hey, T.J. Watt can add that to his already pretty uh, pretty uh, incredible resume. So, 
And then also for the flip side, the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, their first-round pick out of Pitt, Kenny Pickett. He went 25 for 42, 265 yards passing with one touchdown, but didn't have any interceptions, which is definitely huge for the growth of him because, as we all know, turnovers have really been a bad thing for him. We saw it in Miami. We saw it when he played the Jets, you know, literally his first you know, actual regular season action in the NFL where he threw three interceptions that game, threw three interceptions on Sunday night football, but he's increasingly getting better and better each week. So Pittsburgh fans, I think there's a lot to be excited about in Kenny Pickett because if he de- if he develops the right way, you know, y'all get rid of Matt Canada, I think y'all should be pretty good. Uh, Najee Harris, who had a really slow start to the year, had himself a pretty good game today, 20 carries for 90 yards rushing and two touchdowns on the day. I mean, one of those touchdowns, he had an incredible leap into the end zone. I mean, he acts, I mean, he like Superman dove into the end zone, which that was pretty cool to watch. Uh, George Pickens would lead the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers in receiving with four receptions for 83 yards receiving and one touchdown. A lot of the frustration just due to the fact how the game didn't go their way would come out at the end as George Pickens would actually get ejected with only a minute left in the game. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals, despite only having 62 rushing yards on the day, which – I mean, honestly, I don't think it really phased them in this game. They were able to throw the football all over the Pittsburgh Steelers. T. Higgins almost had 150 receiving yards on the day with nine catches, 148 yards receiving. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan, four receptions for 52 yards receiving and three touchdowns on the day. So, you know, we started to see a lot of the Oklahoma Samaj P. Ryan. Cause I, don't, I don't think a lot of y'all know how good Samaj was when he played at OU. I mean, man was a different beast. So we saw kind of a lot of kind of a ghost of the past, so to speak, in Samaj P. Ryan in this game. But ultimately, it would be the Pittsburgh Steelers that would escape a late comeback attempt by the Pittsburgh Steelers. As the Cincinnati Bengals, they would go on to beat the Steelers 37-30. to As the Bengals, they now improve to 6-4 and on the year. And the Steelers, they now fall to 3-7 and on the year. And once again, they're rebuilding. You know, obviously Ben Roethlisberger retiring. You know, there's a lot of, you know, probably Cameron Hayward here in the next few years will be retiring. You're still building up your O-line. You have a great young back in Najee Harris, George Pickens as well on the outside with Deontay Johnson. You know, there's a lot of young, bright, you know, bright stars on this team that potentially in a few years if they develop properly, we could see the Steelers back in contention. So, anyways, y'all, that wraps up our late slate of games. So now let's get to our final game here on NFL Sunday. On Sunday Night Football, we had Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs traveling out west to take on Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers at SoFi Stadium. And, well, in this game, the connection between Patrick Mahomes and Travis Travis Kelsey just continued to absolutely dominate. I mean, we've seen them do it for years now. And, well, in this Sunday Night Football matchup, that's exactly what they continued to do as Travis Kelsey would have six receptions for 115 yards receiving and three touchdowns. One of those would actually be the game-winning touchdown in this game. Patrick Mahomes would also have himself a pretty good game as well, going 20 for 34, 329 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. And I honestly believe as of right now, Patrick Mahomes should be the clear frontrunner for the MVP. I know we've talked about Geno Smith, Jalen Hurts, and a lot of those guys, but I think right now Patrick Mahomes, the consistency he's playing at, the team success that they're having right now, I think clearly it should be Patrick Mahomes, and I wouldn't be shocked if we potentially see him win his second MVP this season. So, I mean, overall, great win for the Kansas City Chiefs. Defense was a little bit skeptical considering the fact that, well, the Chargers really just continue to keep getting banged up, even though they got Keenan Allen back in this game, they got Mike Williams back in this game. Mike Williams would actually leave this game with an injury. Uh, but Keenan Allen in his first game back actually was really good. Five receptions for 94 yards receiving and zero touchdowns. 
but I think the Chargers are having an emerging star at wide receiver, and that's going to be coming in the form of Josh Palmer, who the past few weeks has really stepped up to the case when, when Justin Herbert's really needed a true wide receiver one when he's not had Keenan Allen. And, well, he did exactly that in this game, eight receptions for 106 yards receiving and two touchdowns on the day. So really great game by Josh Palmer, who I think will be a pretty good pretty good wide receiver for the Chargers going forward. Austin Eckler finally was able to get things going as well. 19 carries for 83 yards uh, rushing and one touchdown. Um, the offense really in this game was not horrifically bad. I mean, Justin Herbert, outside of one interception, was pretty darn good. 23 for 30, 280 yards passing, two touchdowns, and then one interception. But, I mean, just the defense of the Chargers got banged up even more. They lost their starting linebacker, Kenneth Murray, in this game due to, uh, I think they said some type of neck injury, which is really scary. So, hopefully everything's okay with him. But, yeah, just they just continue to keep getting banged up and banged up and banged up. And, well, the game would end on a Nick Bolton interception. as It was, it was like a tip drill interception. Nick Bolton would come down with it as the Kansas City Chiefs would get a big-time AFC West Divisional win over their rivals, the Chargers. 30 to 27 as the Chiefs they improved to 8 and 2 on the year and the Chargers they now fall to 5 and 5 on the year but they're still at 500 they're still currently sitting second in the AFC West so I mean hey I didn't think a team that'd be 5 and 5 at this point in the year would still be second in the AFC West considering how much hype that division had going into the uh, going into the year but well, the Kansas City Chiefs, their offense continues to absolutely dominate. And once again, I think they got an absolute late round, you know, just steal in Isaiah Pacheco, who seventh round pick out of Rutgers. I mean, that kid is very reminiscent of what Tyree Kill has. You know, they already got Kadarius Tony, they traded for him from the Giants. But this kid might be the running back version of Tyree Kill, as Isaiah Pacheco had his best game as a pro so far 15 carries for 107 rushing yards. He was actually the first 100-yard um, rushing chief since, I think, week four when they played the Eagles. So, really great game by him. And once again, the Chiefs get a big-time win on Sunday night football against the Chargers. So, anyways, y'all, that wraps up all of our Sunday action. Let me know what y'all's personal favorite game was. Mine definitely had to have been my Dallas Cowboys blowing out the Minnesota Vikings up in Minneapolis. But, anyways, y'all, we do have one more game. And, of course, it's going to be on Monday night football as we had the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Arizona Cardinals down in Mexico City and this is going to be a pretty good matchup you know Arizona they got a really must-needed win against their NFC West rival the Los Angeles Rams so obviously hopefully going into this game that might give them a little bit of momentum you know they got Kyler Murray back as well and then for the you know 49ers they got a great Monday night football win against the, the L.A. Chargers. You know, they went out and got Christian McCaffrey. Jimmy Garoppolo's kind of helped stabilize the offense, but the defense has truly been something special for the 49ers. So going into this game, it's going to be pretty interesting, is interesting to see how both of these teams would play. Could the 49ers continue to keep up their three-game win streak and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So, But anyway, you know, it's actually talking about how the game would actually go. The San Francisco 49ers offense would just absolutely continue to be one of the more entertaining offenses that we have this year. I mean, obviously, you know, having a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who really dominated in this game, seven carries for 39 yards rushing, and also was able to get it going in the receiving game with seven, uh, seven receptions for 67 yards receiving. But we also got to talk about some of the other star-studded players that the 49ers do have on offense. George Kittle, who's arguably one of the tight, in, one of the top tight ends in all of the NFL. He had four receptions for 84 yards receiving and two touchdowns on the day. So a pretty big game for the big fella. And then also, too, 
Elijah Mitchell, who was a seventh-round pick coming out of Louisiana, you know, kind of one of those guys that no one really expected to get much out of. And, I mean, he's done the complete opposite for that, you know, the past few years here with the 49ers. And in this game, his second game back after um, dealing with an injury that put him on IR, he would have nine carries for 59 yards rushing, but didn't get a touchdown, but still pretty solid game for the San Francisco 49ers offensively. And then we got to talk about their starting quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, who would go 20 for 29, 228 yards passing with four touchdowns and zero interceptions. Pretty much a dang near perfect game for Jimmy G. So, I mean, hey, after all the trade rumors, after all the, you know, get should we release him, should we keep him, all those discussions, he took that pretty personal. I mean, obviously having all these weapons definitely helps him out a ton, but the fact that he's not making the same mistakes that we got so accustomed to him doing has definitely been a huge improvement for the San Francisco 49ers. And, well, for the uh, Arizona Cardinals, they didn't have uh, Kyler Murray going into this game. He's still dealing with a hamstring injury. So they would start Colt McCoy in this game. And, you know, overall, I don't really know if you want to put a lot of the blame on Colt McCoy because the offensive line was just getting absolutely trampled by that San Francisco 49er defensive line as they would allow three sacks on the day and just countless amounts of quarterback hurries as Colt McCoy on the day would go 24 for 34, 218 yards passing with zero touchdowns and one interception. As in this game, Arizona, they just really could not get anything going offensively in terms of putting anything into points. Now for the wide receiver-wise, you know, they, I think they do have a pretty good up-and-coming wide receiver in Greg Dortch, the former Wake Forest Demon Deacon, who I remember very briefly during his time at Wake Forest. I remember that, you know, he was supposed to be some big-time draft pick. You know, injuries kind of derailed him later in his college career. But, I mean, this guy has unlimited potential. He's absolutely a speedster. Definitely will be a good slot wide receiver, even if he's not for the Cardinals, just for another team that may pick him up later down the road as Greg Dortch would have nine receptions for 103 yards receiving and zero touchdowns on the day. DeAndre Hopkins continued to do normal D-hop things, nine receptions for 91 yards receiving. And he also got one of the more interesting taunting calls where he literally just pointed at two defensive players of the San Francisco 49ers after he picked up a first down and he got a 15-yard unsportsmanlike penalty for that. So, oh, the NFL truly standing up to their name, the no-fun league. But, <laughs> but anyway, I understand why they're trying to change it and all that. But, I mean, overall, Arizona just really could not get anything going offensively. The defense got absolutely torched by Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Jimmy G, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, who had two touchdowns on the day as the San Francisco 49ers. They pick up the Monday night football win down in Mexico City against their NFC West rival, the Arizona Cardinals, as now they're pretty much neck and neck for number one in the NFC West, being up there with Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. So anyway, guys, that wraps up all of our games from week 11 of the 2022 NFL season. So let me know which ones was y'all's personal favorite. Once again, mine definitely had to be my Dallas Cowboys beating up on the Minnesota Vikings by a score of 42-3, one of the better defensive performances we've seen all season so far. And guys, we have yet another exciting week of NFL football coming up, so make sure to check out that preview episode, which will come out at Wednesday at 12 p.m. Central Time. So guys, thank y'all so much for all the support that y'all do show here on the Cover 7 Podcast. Make sure you do like, comment, share, rate, do whatever you can just to make sure we continue to spread the Cover 7 podcast so that everybody can also stay up to date with anything college football and NFL related. So, guys, once again, thank you all so much for listening listening and tuning in to today's episode. And I will see you all back here tomorrow as we will have three different episodes dropping, two being previews and one being an interview. So thank you again, and I will see you all tomorrow. Peace, y'all.